welcome to episode four of Zero Trust Bites. Bites. Episode four. Bites. Wow, wow, wow. This is the podcast for 2024. If you want to hear anything about Zero Trust, you got to be on Zero Trust Bites. That's right. Listeners. It's a nice segue into the new year. Episode four for 2024. I like that. Hey, you're a, what do they call them? A numerologist or <laughs> what? John, what do they call them? The pre- people that deal with numbers? Numerologist. Yeah, N- numerologist. Num- numerologist. Right? numerologist. <laughs> Guys, welcome. This episode is going to impact you. How? Because we're going to talk a little bit about data management, security, and governance. I'm your host, Miguel. And today we're going to be discussing the zero trust data pillar. Oh yeah, this is big. That's I a like big one. the data pillar because zero trust is supposed to be protecting what our oil and the what's data. the oil, the data, <laughs> right? That's so right. that's important. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about that, how to safeguard that data, and we're also going to talk a little bit about Microsoft Purview's implementation for the data lifecycle management. We're also going to be talking about data loss prevention, which is a big deal. And we'll, we'll kind of have a little segue on on DLP. Ooh, yeah, a good one today. But guess what? Joining me today is Kamel Kolodeski. Hello, hello, hello. Good to be back here again. Excited. At listeners, I, I want to tell you, we challenged you. We asked you to give us a little like, a smash. <laughs> that button i'm trying to be relevant <laughs> like subscribe subscribe comment, comment. <laughs> all of that good Let's stuff go. <laughs> because if you do we're gonna give you our zero trust champion coin we have a champion coin for the listeners that can't see it um maybe we should do a photo i don't know how we do how do we <laughs> How do we get them to see this if they're just listening to us? But anyways, you got to believe me. This is hot. It's a shield that if you literally put it on, I believe you become a data analyst day one. (laughs) It's advanced zero trust framework. It has a shield. It has a 300 logo uh, warrior on there. It has our name, Villatech, the name of our company. And it was handmade by a veteran company. Very nice. So, you know, this is about zero trust, cybersecurity in the industry, making sure that our veterans are out there. We support you. Uh, We appreciate you and we thank you for what you've done. I can name a whole bunch of names, but we're not gonna do that. But we do have reverence and respect for those that have laid their lives for this country. And uh, what better thing to give them is business and an opportunity to share some of that love with us so guys Kamel are we ready to do the data pillar oh I'm ready let's do it the episode one and two and three were about what pillar so I think we started off with identity pillar we touched upon a little bit on the STP which does a little bit of the different pillars right doesn't touch touch one pillar okay um and then today yeah it's going to be about the data pillar which is something we haven't touched too deeply on but we've mentioned it how data is very important because right. zero trust is all about the data yes it started off as a data-centric model now of course they're 
segueing it off to being an identity-centric model. But I think with still at the core of zero trust, we are trying to protect our data. Yeah, and then identity and data needs to be coalesced together, right? So it's access to the data. Data is the gold, or as you're calling the new oil. Oil. Yep. And that's good. That's a good analogy. But we need to know: Are you who you say you are? <laughs> yes. Assume breach. Assume breach at all times. At all times. You're not Kamel. Uh, you know, let me prove it hey, <laughs> in, prove a, it. in a various different ways. <laughs> okay, Momola Poliski. Yeah. Say habla español. There you go. Okay. See, so our Spanish guys are not laughing, but that's okay. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. So Miguel, I mean, like I said, data is undoubtedly the most valuable asset for any organization in today's digital landscape. Safeguarding data has become increasingly crucial. I mean, wouldn't you agree? I would definitely agree that organizations store vast amounts of data. Yep. And um, they're learning that they can extract a lot of information and gold from that data. So mm -hmm. now it becomes tremendously relevant to your environment now, right? Yep. And so at the end of the day, that data is not only your data. Sometimes you're collecting customer data. Exactly. And if you're collecting customer data, that becomes PII data. Personal, personal identifiable, identifiable yep. uh, information, information. Yep. right? Mm -hmm. And so now you're, you're a guardian of that data. Sometimes you may have financial data. And if that's financial services data, that's another, you know, SOX environment that you have to make sure that you have to protect that record yeah. and that information. But there's also intellectual property data, which is your data your proprietary data for the warfighter, for the tactical edge, is how the government is uh, maneuvering and issuing missions. Mm -hmm. And even the warfighters themselves, where they're at, who they are, that data is very, very important for us to secure. So the vitality of protecting that data and securing that data is what we have to build and that's what zero trust framework is around right yeah. it's, it's talking about building um an architecture or f uh, multiple types of architectures to protect that data so there's business continuity that we need to protect intellectual property your data customer data and through that we have to uh you know get some information from that data and make informed decisions right Kamel? yeah and you brought up a good point because zero trust isn't just one architecture it's a framework right not one single solution is the correct solution not one single vendor is the correct vendor to choose right it's an ongoing process it's an ongoing mm -hmm. evolving framework structure that you're going to continue to build upon yes but we're going to we're talking a lot about microsoft right because yes. That's really the CSP that we decided to kind of focus on. You can't jump all around the world and try to do everything with everyone. So, you know, we decided Microsoft is really the, the main focus, but we're going to talk about some other solutions as well. So I just want to kind mm -hmm. of set the stage that no one thinks that, oh, they're Microsoft bigots, and, and that's not true. Exactly. And protecting this data is not only essential for maintaining trust with customers, but also for complying with data protection regulations such as GDPR. You know, that's something that the EU is heavily enforcing and we want to make sure that we're 
you know, not only following zero trust practices, but actual regulations. So by prioritizing data security, organizations can safeguard their most valuable asset and mitigate the risks associated, associated with it, such as data loss. There you go. Yeah, so Kamel, that's a good point. You brought up GDPR. We, uh, we were just onboarded by one of the customers that uh, required a GDPR privacy policy. Yeah, how did that go? Yeah, it was extensive, it's right? Very extensive, right? Very extensive. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, do you not know that customers have the capability of requesting and requiring you to sanitize their data? You have to. There's there's a lot of steps to, 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 to go through that. So a mixture of all that, but Kamel, let's talk a little bit about the example. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let's get to the good stuff. The example. <laughs> okay. So how do organizations accomplish this, the, the, the ability to protect data? Yeah. So, I mean, we touched upon uh, about it already a little bit, but one approach, of course, is for organizations to adopt, to safeguard their data is following a zero trust data pillar framework. Okay. Now, this aspect of the Zero Trust Framework emphasizes the need to verify and, and uh, secure every access request, obviously. Mm -hmm. you got to assume breach, regardless of whether it originates from inside or outside the organization's network. The other thing is by focusing on the data pillar of Zero Trust, organizations can implement robust security measures to protect their data assets. Mm -hmm. This approach ensures that data is secured regardless of its location, and access is granted based on the principle of least privilege. And by adopting a data-centric approach, organizations can enhance their overall security posture and mitigate the risks associated with data loss. That's a great point, Kamel. That's a, a really great point that uh, the zero trust data pillar is built on the principle of verification, least privilege, micro-segmentation, continuous monitoring, and encryption. Now, when we talk about the zero trust, uh, the the data pillar, where are we getting this? What what where is this being derived from? Because they're probably hearing us say these data pillars and like where do we get that term from? Where is that coming from? Yeah, so there's a lot of authoritative resources out there, and I think the ones that we follow, and of course, what's Cloud Security Alliance follows, um, as maybe some of you have not known, but they have the only certification out in the industry, the CCZT. The certificate of competent competency of zero trust. <laughs> yeah, you, you, as you could tell, uh, we do have high degrees in linguistics <laughs> here, as you could tell, because we are of the s highest silver tongues here. So <laughs> bear with us as we struggle with. I didn't do my warm-ups today, yeah. so I have to. <laughs> it, it, practice you know, some of those words you know, we're only master degrees we'll get there phd yeah. levels kind of conversations but that that that's super important so by implementing these principles right yep organizations now can ensure that they only have authorized individuals so we're talking about the identity again right mm -hmm. and as authorized um individuals have access and they're authorized to access sensitive data because the data is protected all time. So rather than just having a firewall rule that has uh, a subnet that says, you know, this network person that's on this network has access to anything in the network, which is the flat network architecture, yep. right? Now, from a networking standpoint, yeah, there may be an, uh, an access layer or a core layer or a distribution layer. So 
the the network engineer network architect thinks that there's strategy and you know infrastructure layers to get to that but at the end of the day from a policy perspective the network doesn't care about your identity once you're on that subnet right. so you you have lateral movement yep. and you know and, and 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 you have the ability to kind of manipulate your way around that this data pillar focus is trying to get you to always verify are you authorized to touch this information right okay so i'm glad you brought that up because there was another analogy that i thought was very interesting that kind of stuck with me i i know in the first episode i we talked about the castle moat story mm -hmm. and then what if there's a carnival and now we got a sewing breach kind of thing mm -hmm. and that was a great analogy and i hope that stuck with some of you viewers out there but here's a different one i'll paint for you so Tim Denman, he's the Defense Acquisition University's Cybersecurity Learning Director. Mm -hmm. He was a part of um, the Portfolio Management Office with Randy Resnick in, in the first year of implementing Zero Trust. A little shout out to Randy. Hey, hey, Randy. You better be listening to this stuff. <laughs> I'm tired of tagging him. And uh, it, I thought he brought up a, a very interesting analogy, and, and, and I'm going to paint it for you guys and take it a little deeper, a little different level there. He said that think of Zero Trust like an airport, okay? Passengers are being dropped off and no one is trusted, right? None of those people are trusted. Okay. But what's the first level of verification that you get to? Well, there's the security, right? TSA. Mm -hmm. So do you have an ID? Okay, that's one form. Do you have a boarding pass? That's the second form. Multi-factor authentication. Nice. Right? Good analogy. The next thing you get to is inspection of your carry-on luggage, of yourself. Mm-hmm. So think of like uh, deep packet inspection. Ooh. You know, we got to see what's inside that luggage. Ooh. Is there a water bottle or is there something else that shouldn't be there? Yeah. They'll inspect that. X-ray. Okay. Yeah. And now you get past that first level of defense, the mm. gatekeeper. STP calls that a, a gatekeeper and that could be one of your first level of verification right there. Mm -hmm. But once you're inside, what's next? Mm -hmm. You're continuously being monitored. Your yeah, cameras. Cameras, right? Watching you They're all watching day. watching you all day, right? We're watching you all and, day. And it doesn't matter if you're <laughs> uh, a passenger or a staff member or a director or whatever. The next level that you got to get to, you got to have a badge or a boarding pass or some other form of identification or verification that you are who you are. So I thought that was a very good analogy because... Good. You, you passing one level of validation, but you're continuously being verified. You're always assumed a breach. And it doesn't matter if it's you or me or the highest level of authority mm -hmm. in an airport. Something can happen and that person gets, well, I don't know, doesn't yeah. matter. We got to assume breach at all times. Yeah, really good uh, analogy of you being in an important environment where there is precious data Ooh, and, and, yeah. and, and the precious data are the people. Yes. Right? So... There's human beings that are very precious, all concatenated together in one room, and you need to make sure that whoever's getting in that environment is, is protected. So is there anything else that you have, Kamel, with the key words? Yeah, so um, I did want to bring up a story that I just found out today, a current trend uh, topic that kind of ties into this whole data pillar aspect. So. Uh, the Department of Veterans Affairs mm. uh, just went through, um, uh, I, I can't believe this even happened, but it seems like they, there was a shakeup 
of what happened. Okay. And since we're on the topic of data loss prevention, DLP, uh, DLP, yeah, um, they actually are going through a transition from one of their solutions to the uh, the Microsoft solutions. Okay. And because of that, there was a they're they're turning off their DLP program mm -hmm. on their endpoints. Right. Um, last year, I think about 1,500 veterans and their personal data, social security numbers, birth certificates, um, things that are very personal to, to individuals, data. Uh, was leaked. Right. And now what they're saying, even though they won't, and I don't want to speak on what's going on over there, but they don't want to say that their 18 million veterans' private information is at risk. But right. we're going through a program transition and if you're saying telling me that your DLP program is on pause that puts the entire Veterans Affairs office at risk yeah I mean at the end of the day what I see here is this story is very fascinating because it actually is a live testimony today of the government trying to do their best to protect you know the data by making sure that the DIB or the defense industrial base groups of people who are supposed to help them solve problems mm -hmm. and, 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 and bring resolutions and innovate, they're being encouraged. You better get CMMC level one or level two or level three if you're going to be doing something for us. But at the end of the day, you know, internally, you know, they're in shambles. And I, I, and I think... Um, I think they're doing a good job in the office of the CIO by preaching and evangelizing the zero trust strategy that is yes. going to be mandated and they're going to be, you know, everyone's going to be under pressure to, to meet those deadlines and to be authorized to operate in, in a safe environment. Yep, totally agree. And and I think the Veterans Affairs, they're, they're doing what they can in their strategies to move towards a zero trust framework. Mm -hmm. um, so whether that's eliminating one solution because it didn't meet their needs, they are moving towards other solutions. I mean, we're going to talk about one today, which is Microsoft Purview, because mm -hmm. they have a Microsoft Enterprise level agreement with them mm -hmm. where there's other strategies that can protect their data. Yeah. So I think we're in good hands, Veterans Affairs Office. Mm -hmm. It's just there's a risk and the risk is being known and we understand that. So yeah. we're here to help them. Good. So well done. Thank you for the real world story. We're not just talking about fake uh, scenarios. That's a real life testimony of actually what's happening in the industry. And uh, now let's shift our focus to Microsoft Purview. Purview. <laughs> Purview. And implementing its their data lifecycle management solution. Yeah, so Microsoft Purview, uh, let's talk about it a little bit. So Purview offers a comprehensive set of features and capabilities to help organizations effectively manage their data assets throughout their life cycle. Mm -hmm. It enables organizations to discover and catalog their data assets across various sources. Mm -hmm. Additionally, Purview provides data classification and tagging capabilities, which is something we'll go into a demonstration later today. Nice. But uh, allowing organizations to classify their data based on predefined sensitive data types or create custom classifiers tailored to their specific needs. Nice. So this classification helps in data governance and compliance efforts. Good job, Kamel. Now let's talk a little bit about that data loss prevention and how yes. Purview can help us in this in, in this area of this data pillar that we're focusing on. Yeah, so data loss prevention is a critical aspect of data security. 
We already talked about it earlier today that data is the new gold, the new oil, mm -hmm. intellectual property, sensitive information. Mm -hmm. We don't want that to be leaked. We don't want that to be deleted unintentionally, even if they did intentionally, right? Mm -hmm. How do we make sure that we don't lose that valuable data? Mm -hmm. So it involves implementing measures to prevent the unauthorized disclosure or leakage of sensitive data or even data loss. Purview can help organizations in their DLP efforts by providing visibility into data usage and identifying potential risks or vulnerabilities. Okay. It can detect and alert organizations about suspicious activities or policy violations because assuming breach, right? What if there is a malicious user that's laterally moving around that organization? Yeah. We want to be able to see that. Exactly. We want to be able to de detect it. Mm -hmm. Even if that person is an employee today, yeah. but is doing something maliciously that right. we don't know yet, exactly. how can we track that? How or can we audit that? That's the traceability component, okay? Correct. So in the upcoming demo, I will be showing a creation of a data lifecycle management label and label policies with the prevention of data loss by not allowing a file to be deleted due to the set retention policy. This demo will be a, a unique one as we introduce a different method of automating the implementation of these policies, and that's us using Structura, but with PowerShell. Ooh, that's interesting. I like the word Structura. Structura is our tool that we use to automate. When you have large enterprise environments and you want to take these architectures and you want to take these um, attributes and these uh, policies and you want to roll them out you can't do them all by hand right Ugh, so please no <laughs> well you know they take forever <laughs> they are those archaic network security engineers that we were once part of yep. that you know job security is all about nope i'm gonna do it myself and i got it it's gonna take a month or a couple of weeks but i'll get this done and they staying all night trying to do things on their own wasting energy and time on getting a, a project implemented yeah. because, you know, it, the job security per perspective was look at what I'm doing mm -hmm. um, rather than taking advantage of automation, right? And the bots and the co-pilots that are out there that can actually yes. augment and speed up your work. But, you know, um, neither here nor there. That is a really great, interesting take. Uh, a good example, Kamel, on... Um, how you could take automation to do something that may have been something that an architect or an engineer would spend a lot of time in doing from the GUI perspective, correct? Yeah, correct, definitely. And, you know, of course, as we go through these activities, we tend to discover a lot of new methods, trial and error mm -hmm. of what works, what doesn't work, because we understand that every organization is different. Correct. Um, and not only that, they may not choose to go down that route. Mm -hmm. What if we don't want to have a sign-in page with MFA? How are you going to be able to deploy that script through a pipeline? Well, you have to do something like an unattended script, for example. Nice. Or what is the other method that we can try to do? Well, we have to do like an app registration. Mm -hmm. We need to authenticate this process, which is a part of the whole Zero Trust framework. Mm -hmm. But how can we implement Zero Trust policies into a process? Well, app registration, put some RBAC, role-based access controls into that registration or registered app. So instead of having a sign-in page, an individual user, and MFA, which is still multi-factor authentication with zero trust policies, 
I need a different method, yeah. CICD pipeline, um, ticketing systems, right? I need to, we need to authorize this. It's not just you or me. We need a team to say, yeah, this is, I author, we authorize this change mm -hmm. through a ticketing system, through authority, through logging, through monitoring, audit, auditable activities. It's interesting. We're on another good point, Kamal. That's good. Let's consider um, a different method of deploying automation with these activities and what needs to be done. Show how do, how do we get into the point where they get to see for those listeners Ooh. that are listening. Yeah, that's right. You're going to just listen. But if you go to our Structural web channel and <laughs> you like and subscribe and smash that button and do all that goodness, you're going to see a live <laughs> demo. I think it's something to hop from the podcast audible yep to see the visual yeah that's right i would uh highly uh recommend and, and suggest for everyone to take a look at the demonstrations because we do go into a, uh, a variety of different products and vendors that we've already touched upon microsoft azure being one of them purview being today the one that we're going to be doing but uh we've done some other vendors in the past and we're going to continue to do so so let's get right into it and show a demonstration of automating a data lifecycle management policy Thank you, Kamel, for showing us an example of how Microsoft Purview can help organizations in their data lifecycle management and data loss prevention efforts, and also sharing your insights, which are very good. You're hands-on, you're in it, you're, you're the one cooking, so it's always good to get Ooh. the perspective of the cook, because the cook I knows like was dirty and was clean. <laughs> Just don't be spitting in that food. <laughs> Is that the assumed breach? That's the assumed <laughs> breach. I can't trust the cook, oh, too. <laughs> you know great. what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, so safeguarding our data. It's very clear that data security is top priority yeah. for organizations. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about the VA, so that should be top of mind for them. Yep. And, um, and you know, we, we talked a little bit on how Purview can offer a robust set of features to address these challenges, right? So, yep. Absolutely, Miguel. Safeguarding data and implementing data effect, effective data management protection measures are, are, are ongoing processes. You know, we already said this earlier that nothing is set in stone. It's an evolving practice. Mm -hmm. We're going to continue to adapt. We're going to continue to evolve. We're going to continue to make better practice decisions. So nice. organizations must stay vigilant and proactive in their data security efforts to ensure the integrity and confidentiality of their data. Nice. Excellent point, Kamel. Well, that's all we have time for today. Listeners, we want to thank you. We hope you found this discussion important to you. If you're, if you're, if you're subscribing and you're listening <laughs> in, it's important. So Smash it. You better, you better like this. But, um, the, yeah, I hope you found this discussion about safeguarding your data um, valuable. Uh, we're trying to talk a little bit more about the zero trust data pillars. So we're moving away from these, some of the other pillars. And Kamel explained a little bit of where we're getting the whole concept of the pillars from, right? Yep. And so uh, Microsoft Purview's implementation for data lifecycle management and data loss prevention. That was very informative and valuable. Thank you for joining us. And this it, on this episode, episode four of Zero Trust Bites, and stay tuned for more episodes. 
where we're going to explore the latest trends. We're going to show you a demo. We're going to show automation on top of it. Yep. And we're going to give you real-world insights on how Zero Trust can be implemented for your organizations. Kamel, you got any closing remarks for our viewers? I sure do. So remember, your data is valuable and protecting it is very essential. In the world of cybersecurity, trust no one and embrace zero trust. Until next time, stay secure.